Hello, y'all, and welcome back to the Playmakers Corner Podcast. I'm your host, Cody Stoffer, for this spotlight episode, and I'm going to just jump right into it. We are going to go to Craig, Colorado, to talk about your Moffat County Bulldogs. So, reflecting on last season, they went 4-2, and two, and their two losses were to two very solid playoff teams. Their first one being Meeker, who they lost 36-14, to 14. And their last loss was to Resurrection Christian High School in the playoffs, 40-14. And in both of these games, quarterback Ryan Peck struggled to complete even 50% of his passes, and he threw more interceptions than touchdowns. And from last year to this year, you had the graduate of Caleb Frink, who is a running back. He ran for 592 yards and six touchdowns in six games. And he also caught for over 100 yards and three scores. This is a reoccurring pattern of players that can kind of do it all out of the backfield that you'll see more this season. And then on defense, Caleb Frank also had two interceptions for 64 yards of return yards. Then you also lost Donnie Quick, who is the other leading receiver on this team, and leading tackler Joseph Compagna, who had 39 tackles, including four and a half for a loss. And so when you look at current playmakers and their record, they are currently 7-1 and one right now. They just experienced their first loss to Delta High School last week. They lost a very close game, 17-14. For more details on that game, go ahead and listen to last week's recap. But up until that point, they had kind of trounced everyone in their path. They beat Northfield 42-0, Steamboat Springs 50-0, Rawlings, which is Rollins, I should say, in Wyoming, 42-7. They beat Kennedy, led by Isaac Cisneros, 51-15. They even beat Contender from our preview, Basalt, 19-6, Rifle, 46-13, and Aspen, 62-35. So this is a very explosive offense, and their last game of the season, you know, when this episode is released, it'll be tonight against Coleridge. They're going to take care of business there, and they will end the season 8-1. and one. And I'll talk about a few reasons why. And I think that it starts, you know, in their backfield between their quarterback and their running back. You know, at QB, you have Ryan Peck, who's had a very solid season thus far. He's completed about 55% of his passes for 833 yards and 10 touchdowns to 6 interceptions. So last year, you know, his ratio wasn't as good, but this year has been a bit kinder to him and he has shown significant improvements i'd say in the decision making category but the guy who really gets this team going is junior running back evan atkin he has been a monster this year on the ground he has 1117 yards averages 7.3 yards per carry he has 23 rushing touchdowns which is one of the best totals in all of colorado and then on the defensive side of the ball, he has an interception and a fumble recovery and is second on the team in tackles. So, you know, he has been a do-it-all kind of guy because if you look at his receiving totals, he also leads the team in receptions with 16 for 308 yards and is tied for the team lead in touchdowns with three receiving touchdowns. And on top of all that, he also has one passing touchdown. So a total of 27 touchdowns, and he hasn't even faced Cole Ridge yet. I don't know how much they'll use him in the Cole Ridge game, because I think that they want him to be healthy come playoff time. 
being one of their biggest offensive weapons. Then also on the offensive side of the ball, you have senior Ethan Hafey or Haffey. I'm not sure how you say it, but I'm going to have to figure it out because there's also a Logan. But anyways, Ethan is second in scrimmage yards with like a pretty high combined total. He has like, let's see, it looks like he has 157 receiving yards. And then out of the backfield, he has 309 yards. And he also returns kicks for this team. So, you know, he's kind of their other offensive weapon. And he's racked up six touchdowns, I want to say. No, three touchdowns this season between all of those facets. And then somebody who may be his brother or related in some way, or maybe not, but they share the same last name, Logan Hafey. He has, at the tight end position, three receiving touchdowns and 183 yards to his name. And, you know, it's, it's the same as Carson Miller, who has two touchdowns and 166 yards himself. Then talking about some guys on this defensive side of the ball, you know, you already have some of the exact same names like you have Ryan Peck, you know, who has nine tackles for loss for this team. You have Ethan Hafey, who also has nine tackles for loss and 51 total tackles. Then you have another Hafey brother this time. Well, maybe a brother, maybe a relative. Anyways, you have another Hafey here, Ian Hafey. He's third on the team with eight and a half tackles for loss. There's another sophomore who is Caleb Squires. He has eight and a half tackles for loss, or seven tackles for loss. Miles Simpson, who is a senior, has six tackles for loss. Logan Hafey, once again, has five tackles for loss on this side of the ball. So they get a lot of good contributions from a number of places. I mean, shoot. Ian Hafey has three and a half sacks in the sacks category. And Ethan Hafey, he leads the team with seven and a half sacks. And then as far as forcing interceptions go, this defense has been phenomenal at forcing turnovers. You have Carson Miller, who has two interceptions this year. Court Murphy, he's a junior and he's currently leading the team and is one of the best in the state with four interceptions this year. Then Evan Atkin has also picked off the ball twice this year year then on top of that they have also recovered a handful of fumbles their defense has forced i believe 16 turnovers and their special teams has three blocked punts and they average 3.6 sacks per game and also 52 tackles for loss on the season this defense is very solid i think at both defending the run and the pass and is one of their best strengths heading into the playoff race. I definitely think that they're one of the top 16 teams in 2A. They have great athletes on both sides of the ball. They play very physical, but also a very, you know, they're able to defend the pass super well. And, you know, I was definitely surprised when they lost that game to Delta. I think that they're a better team than Delta, but it just wasn't their day. It was obviously a very close game, but, you know, they, they experienced that one loss, so they won't have, you know, that home field going for them in the playoffs as a lower seed because they will not win their league but you know they can still be pretty excited about you know going eight and one and you know it, they could be a, be still a very solid seed and i think that they're going to match up pretty well in the playoffs personally because they have gone against some of the better quarterbacks in the state and they've they've done a pretty good job at holding it down so i think that they can hold down an explosive offense and then their offense has enough playmakers and big play capability and their special teams to be able to hang in games. So you heard it here first. I believe that Moffitt finishes this season 8-1, and 
four and one in their league. They probably come in second place to Delta, would be my best guess, and just ahead of Basalt, who they beat. So that is your program spotlight for the Moffat County Bulldogs. I obviously wish them the best of luck and am excited to see how the rest of their season goes. Coming up next, we will be jumping into the 5A category to talk about some of the more predominant Jeffco teams and some of the best players in Colorado football. Hello, y'all, and welcome back to the Playmakers Corner podcast. We are now going to be talking about the Lakewood Tigers out of Lakewood, Colorado. They are currently three and six. Well, let's jump back to last year and see how their season ended and some notable players that graduated. So last year in a six week season, a COVID shortened year, they went two and four and ended the season on a win streak against Arvada West, which is impressive for a few reasons. And I'll explain why later and Thunder Ridge High School, both teams who have made tremendous bounce back seasons and Lakewood experiencing, you know, a varying degree of success this year. But anyways, a couple of notable graduates last year. You had Jason uh, Duong, who ran for 159 yards and a score. You had Robert Martinez, who ran for 178 yards and a score. Jackson White was the leading receiver for this Lakewood team with 258 yards and three receiving touchdowns, and also led the team in receptions. They also graduated their leading tackler, Luke Hiddle, who led the team with 53 tackles. Then they also graduated Garrett McConnell and Addison Redinger, these were also two of the three leading tacklers along with Luke Hiddle. So, you know, they lost a lot of experience on the defensive side of the ball. They lost a lot of experience on the receiving end of the ball. And they lost definitely some contributors, I would say, on, you know, in that Lakewood backfield. And, you know, at first this seems like a concern. And during the first half of the season, it didn't seem like it was going to be a concern. They did lose their opening game to Bear Creek, 32-27. to Bear Creek is one of the best in the state and just clinched a playoff berth. Then you have Westminster, who they beat 28-14. Rocky Mountain, 34-28. to And they even beat Chaparral, who is also going to be a playoff team on the 5A level, 27-23. to So they start off this season really hot, 3-1. and And... You know, I think that's part part of the reason for that is because they have a great running back in Connor Ladd, who, you know, up until this point in the season coming up on this week has 716 yards and 11 touchdowns and is one of the seniors that we are watching for our top five seniors list. And then out of the backfield, he also leads them in receiving with 29 receptions for 336 yards and three scores, also making him the leading receiving touchdown guy. So he has 14 total touchdowns this year. And I think that they get off to this really hot start because they had this quarterback, Max Shadler, who, you know, it looks like he might have recently returned or had an injury of some point this year because, you know, he had 162 attempts for 926 yards and a 61% completion percentage, which is absurd. And seven passing touchdowns, three interceptions. So that's pretty good at that. Between last week and this week, he threw one apiece. And on the ground, he's also gotten it done with three rushing touchdowns and 267 yards. But I don't know if he got hurt at some point this year because there is a junior, Nico Mancha, who had 49 pass attempts this year for 326 yards. And he struggled mightily, throwing one touchdown to four interceptions. 
So I feel like at some point during this losing streak that they have kind of stumbled into, there might have been an injury to Max Shadler that severely hindered this team and Nico just wasn't quite ready. Slash, the opponents are really tough to prepare against, especially on this 5A Jeffco level. So I feel like something had to have happened there for this team to go on the skid that it did. Because after starting off 3-1, they lost to 4A Palmer Ridge, 35-7. They lost to Arvada, 49-7. They lost to Columbine, 56-13. They lost to Rouston Valley, 33-0. And their most recent loss was to Arvada West, 42-21, where they put up one of their better fights this season. But this five-game losing streak has been absolutely critical to Lakewood's chances to you know, have a shot at playoffs. If they want even the slimmest of chance, they do have to beat Mullen or, you know, by the time this episode comes out, if they beat Mullen last night, Thursday, 10, 28, they might've made playoffs. If they didn't, well, crap, that's just not a good place to be in. And a very unfortunate skid to end the season after starting off so hot at three and one, but Talking about some guys that helped them capture that 3 and one start and putting some respect on some other people's names. You have Gannon Hazelwood. He is the second leading receiver on this team with 247 yards. He doesn't have a, t- a score yet, but maybe he can get one against that Mullen defense. Then you also have Taylor here, who is a junior, has 209 yards and a receiving touchdown. And on the defensive side of the ball, you have names like Jack Cedarberg, who leads this team with 78 total tackles. You also have Chase Gallegos and Caleb Keith, who both have 61 tackles apiece. And Chase has also added on a fumble recovery to that resume. Lorenzo Rojas leads this team with three sacks and also has a fumble recovery. And then as far as interceptions go, you have Trent Smith, who has an interception. You have fellow senior defensive back Kajon Beauty, who has an interception. And last but not least, you also have sophomore Diego Cordova, who also has an interception this year. And so I predicted this team to end 3-7 and seven just because of the momentum that they lost, basically. I do think that they could have beat a Mullen. So, you know, four and six and making the playoffs. But if they're three and seven, they definitely do not make the playoffs this year. And the unfortunate thing is that Connor Ladd is unfortunately a senior. So they're going to have to be doing some rebuilding this next year because both Max Shadler and Connor Ladd are graduating. They're graduating a lot of talent, honestly. And so this is a team that'll be very interesting to watch on how they develop their younger talent and try and keep up in this 5A Jeffco league that is highly competitive every single year and has a grip of talent. But, you know, I wish Lakewood the best. If they won against Mullen, congratulations. And you guys should have a bid to the playoffs, I believe, because Mullen is in the top 24 at 2-7. and seven. So if you guys are 4-6 and six and beat Mullen, I don't see how they could hold that against you in the RPI. But either way, regardless, there are some great playmakers on here. We will probably be doing film breakdowns of some of these cats and so stay tuned for that whenever that comes out it'll probably be after the season is over because we have a lot more content on the way for you but that is lakewood high school and coming up next we are going to stay in the 5a jeffco league
and it is Cody Stoffer back here on the Playmakers Corner podcast here continuing our spotlight of programs and this should be the last spotlight for a while honestly I know that that's disappointing to some of you but with playoffs coming up and the end of the year coming up we've got to get started on our top five seniors list so if you have any seniors recommended that could be top five at their position please send them in and let us know so we can watch the film and break them down but talking about this spotlight we have the columbine rebels one of the best teams in colorado football this year standing at six and three and looking at a bid to the playoffs let's check in on how they did last year though and they were one of the better teams throughout last year and arguably got fleeced out of a playoff spot they went five and one and their only loss was to pomona 14 11 pomona who went to the playoffs I think with one or two losses as well. But, you know, they are a consistent program. They've been consistently dominant for seemingly ever. I mean, I know that I've talked to my uncle who played football in the mid-2000s. And, you know, Columbine was a team that consistently gave other teams headaches. So, you know, there's a reason that they've always been good. They know how to use their offensive line primarily to dominate And that is where they have a lot of notable graduates from last year. You know, they lost Jake Hives, Zach Schrader, and Elijah Evie Finch. All three of these linemen combined for over 30 pancake blocks. So when you lose three linemen like that, obviously it's going to be kind of difficult transitioning into the next year where you lose a lot of that veteran experience and leadership as well. And, you know, with this roster, they definitely could have competed for state in 5A last year. Then on top of that, they also lost Brennan Goodwin, who is their leading kick and punt returner, and Daniel Vigil Jr., who is fourth in tackles and also had two interceptions. This year, they are, as I said, 6-3, and three, which included a 4-0 and start. Then they had a little two-game skid against really good teams in Valor Christian, which Mason Austin attended that game, and against Arvada West, where they lost 24-21. I covered that game. In one of the recaps, it was a very exciting game that went down to the last second, and Arvada West ended up pulling it out. Then they trounced Lakewood and Mullen before losing to Ralston Valley last week. And actually, Mason and Simon and I, or Simon and I, I don't know because I'm recording this on Thursday, we went to the 4 o'clock game between Columbine and Pomona, which is going to have very heavy playoff implications and league implications currently pomona is undefeated in league play right now so if they beat columbine they will win the league and if columbine wins i think it falls to ralston valley i think it also depends on the arvada west game there's it's a very competitive league in this 5a jeffco and i'm really excited for you know a lot of these teams where they're going and we're going to see most of them in the playoffs if not every single jeffco team in the playoffs so and some of the reasons for that include you know Seth Cromwell is a part of the success of this team. He's one of the best backs in Colorado and is in very strong contention for our top five senior list. He currently has 1,057 yards and 17 touchdowns out of the backfield this year. He has been absolutely a stud for this Columbine team. And he has also been helped out by fellow back junior Tyree Hayes trustee, who is a very explosive complimentary back who has 745 yards and six touchdowns.
from the ground. So between these two guys, they can take the top off of any defense with their legs. And, you know, they show good combinations of speed and explosiveness as well as strength whenever hitting the hole. Then Seth Cromwell, he also is one of the top... Well, Seth and Tyree both are tied for second on this team with four receptions. More on what that means later. But, you know, they, they can do it all for this offense. You also have the leading receiver, Jones, who has eight receptions for 163 yards and a score. And then on the defensive side of the ball, this is another one of their specialties throughout the years. Seth Cromwell actually leads this team in tackles with 62, including six for loss. Then you have Peyton Wainwright, who is second on the team in tackles with 60. And he has four tackles for loss and leads the team in sacks with six. You have... Logan Correa, who has five sacks on this team, making him second. Seth Cromwell has four sacks. You have Rocky Shields, who has four sacks as well. So those are some of the guys who get it done on the defensive front. And this team, as a unit, has 25 sacks on the season. As far as forcing turnovers go, they are one of the better units in the league. They have Grayson Hedrick, who has four interceptions. And then, you know, you have the quarterback, Brock Zaintel, who also has forced an interception, as well as uh, Palacios, Snyder, Cromwell has an interception, uh, Fertitta Shell, and Clary, as well as Sillison or Killison. I'm not sure how to say that, but that's a sophomore. They're getting contributions from everybody is the short way of putting it on this defensive side of the ball to force a lot of turnovers. And so talking about this season, you know, like I said, their lost star, Vada West and Valor Christian, aren't bad games but to lose and you know to kind of offset that they've beaten good teams too you know they destroyed Cherokee Trail 52 to 21 who has one of the best wide receivers and quarterbacks in the state in my opinion and you know they also won their out-of-state game against Faith Lutheran who's a team in Las Vegas they won that one 21 to 11 on the road so you know they are proven in and out of the state for this team and so you know with as many turnovers as they force, with as good as the run game is, I have a lot of doubts about this Columbine team, and I don't see them winning state. We kind of talked about this in our 5A preview, and the real problem here is that they cannot pass the ball. You know, Brock Saintel, he has really good stats as far as throwing six touchdowns to one interception, but 53 passing attempts over nine games is whack like that's you basically throw the ball six times a game he has 31 completions in that time so he completes about three or four passes a game and that is not going to help you compete against these teams that can pass the ball you're gonna have a hard time keeping up with these other teams teams are just as mason austin described it this entire columbine playbook can be drawn on one piece of paper and when I talked to my uncle who played for Bear Creek back in the day against these guys, he said they've run the exact same playbook since he was in school and as long as he could remember. And honestly, I think that that is not beneficial for the student athletes. I don't think that is beneficial for this program trying to build, you know, a state contender. And yeah, I just, I disagree highly with their offensive play calling and it's going to show come playoff time, they are not going to win state. Even though they have the talent to win state, they aren't going to win state because they are being held back by a simple playbook. And I feel really bad for the athletes in that case. 
you know, I still wish them the best of luck. And if they do win state, then I'm going to give the kudos to the athletes, not the coaching staff. That's kind of where I'm at with Columbine High School. Like I said, lots of great ballers, lots of great kids on this team. Very physical football team, which I do like. I do like that culture of the physicality up front on both sides of the line. I like that physicality on defense. But I just don't understand why you would continue to hold yourself back in such a way when you have teams like Valor and Cherry Creek and Cherokee Trail and Thunder Ridge who, you know, can pass the ball and move the ball in a variety of ways, you know, out of shotgun, under center, handoffs, draws, RPOs. There's so much potential for this Columbine team in offense that is just untapped at this moment of time, and it's just a real shame. But I still wish the Rebels the best of luck. I'm still rooting for King Cromwell. You know, he's one of the best backs in the state. Tyree Hayes, trusty, he'll be somebody to watch for us as well. Lots of great talent. Stay tuned for more film breakdowns of these players. And, you know... Obviously, I wish them the best of luck in trying to ruin Pomona's chance at winning league. But also, I'm rooting for Pomona a little bit because one of my old coaches is now the head coach there. So, you know, just I just hope that I get a good football game more than anything when I go to this game Thursday night. And I hope that looking back on this episode to, you know, when it's released, I don't sound like a goofball. But that does it for my program spotlight on Columbine High School. Coming up next, we have... Another 5A Jeffco team in Arvada West. Hello, y'all, and welcome to the last segment of this episode of Playmakers Corner, where I am going to be talking about the Arvada West football team. So last year in the COVID season, they went two and five and they graduated Brady Laugan, a cornerback who had an interception and two pass deflections, and also their starting quarterback, Evan Hurlbert. And, you know, the it kind of hurts to lose your quarterback, obviously, but Evan kind of struggled this year. I don't know if it was because of COVID or what have you, right? But he threw more interceptions than touchdowns, and that is part of the reason why they were 2-5 and five last year. And this year, they have severely stepped up their game. And that is partially due to their new quarterback, who is a junior. And I think his name is Ethan Cook. Yeah, it's Ethan Cook. Sorry, lots of E. Cook names around here right now. But anyways, Arvada West right now is 7-2. and two, And they are potentially playing for the league title against Ralston Valley on Friday night at 7.30 p.m. So that'll be a game to tune into. But you have... You know, during this year, they've had a lot of success due to an explosive offense. Like I said, Ethan Cook, he's thrown for 1,747 yards, 19 touchdowns to only seven interceptions. On the ground, they have also gotten great contributions from their running back, Cade Russell, who has ran for eight touchdowns, 622 yards. Ethan Cook also is kind of a bit of a dual threat himself with 222 yards on the ground and three touchdowns. And they also have a sophomore in Chris Rossiner, Rosener, who has 122 yards and two scores as well. So, you know, they've gotten a lot of production here, but I'm going to talk about their receiving core that has been a huge part of their success. And, you know, you have wide receiver three, Ian Lee, who is a senior, as well as Younger, who is a senior, Noah Younger, that is. They have combined between just the two of them for over 500 yards and five touchdowns. So that's the senior staff. 
And then the guys who are going to be coming back next year as juniors, you know, into the senior year and will play with Ethan one more time includes the likes of Brady Witherspoon and Andrew Martinez. Andrew Martinez is the leader of this team with 628 receiving yards and 11 touchdowns. Oh, I forgot to mention that Ian Lee actually leads the team in receptions with 39. But anyways, back to yards. Brian Witherspoon also has 560 yards for four scores. So, you know, they do a good job, or at least Ethan does a good job of finding all of these different targets, letting them get the ball in their hands, letting them make a play with said ball in their hands. And, you know, they have a good balance of run and pass, I think, to be a very dangerous team who, you know, I feel like is only getting started being as young as they are. On the defensive side of the ball, I will talk about some notable players here. You have the leading tackler in Mason Hagel-Pitt, who has 77 total tackles, including eight tackles for loss. The second leading tackler is Charlie Smith, who currently has 60 tackles, including four for loss. And then if you jump over to tackles for loss, they have a lot of great playmakers on this side of the ball, especially on that senior level where their top six leaders in tackles for loss are all seniors, including Reed Henkel. I talked about him a little bit last week. I think he had two sacks and he is a senior who has 12 tackles for loss and currently leads this team. Then you also have number nine brandon simpson who has 11 tackles for loss and michael duncan who also has 11 tackles for loss as i mentioned hagel pitt also has eight tackles for loss then you have odom here who has six tackles for loss that's jack odom so they make a lot of plays in the backfield and a lot of them are sacks reed henkel has eight and a half sacks on the year including six hurries hagel pitt has four sacks runnels has four sacks so you know, this team is forced to 25 sacks, but a lot of it is very top heavy. And I can see Henkel potentially making a move for a top five spot on our senior list. In the turnover category, you are led by Chris Wilcox, who has three interceptions in that secondary. Then Angelo St. James has another two interceptions in that secondary of the total of seven interceptions. They also have a bunch of pass deflections between them. You have the senior defensive back, Gabriel Cena, who leads the team with five pass deflections this season. And also, he hasn't cashed in for an interception yet, so go ahead and make a play. But then, you know, you also have Thomas, who has three pass deflections. And as I mentioned earlier, you have Wilcox, who, in addition to leading the team with three interceptions, has the most fumble recoveries with three. And then this team has blocked five punts. Hagel Pitt actually blocking two of those punts. So they have a very solid front seven and a secondary to back it up to play against some of these better teams in their league and in 5A. But what gets me really excited is their offense, who, you know, they've they've faced some tests this year. No, you know, they started off 3-0. Then they had the unfortunate run-in with Cherry Creek, who just lost to Chandler. So Cherry Creek was definitely playing probably a little pissed off. And they put it to them 52 to 21. Then they beat Foster Ridge 42 to 21. But the real turning point of this season, in my opinion, has got to be this Columbine game where they were behind for a lot of the game. And they were down 21 to 17, actually, with like under two minutes left in the game and had a miraculous, insane, special gift of a comeback, you know, from the football gods to beat Columbine and own that head to head. And then, you know, they beat Mullen. You know, so they they 
basically their schedule this year, they've won three games, lost a game, won three games, lost a game because they also lost to Pomona kind of bad. This is Pomona on the heels of receiving back Dom Nichols. So, you know, he's a great playmaker, and I don't know if Arvada West was necessarily prepared for that and Chase Muller in that backfield. Then they got, like I said, in the Lakewood segment, they beat Lakewood 42-21, to and they have a massive game against Rouston Valley. We were actually invited out to this game, but we unfortunately couldn't make it due to prior commitments that we made earlier this season. But, you know, please tell us how the game goes, and best of luck to Arvada West facing off for potentially a league title. I think that they can win this game and go 8-2. and two. I don't know if Pomona loses against Columbine, though, so they might be in second place in that league play. But I think that they can hang with basically any team. They need to be a bit better against the run, in my opinion. They struggle to stop the run in this Cherry Creek game. They struggle to stop the run in this Columbine game as well. They struggled very hard to contain the run game against Pomona. And Ralston Valley is another team that can run the ball pretty well. Connor Ladd even had a pretty solid game for the Lakewood game. So if they're going to want to compete for state, they will have to do significantly better in the run game in order to compete. But I think that this is a team that, you know, isn't going to go away next year necessarily because they have a pretty solid young core on that offense side of the ball. And then it's a matter of replacing all of those snaps on defense next year. But overall, solid program. Really like what they're doing over there. They have, you know, a former NFL player as their coach. And I think that they're doing all of the right things to trend in the correct direction. With all that being said, that will do it for this week's spotlight and the last spotlight for a little bit. If you have any senior players who you think could be a top five or you just want a film breakdown of them in general, please send them in. We are going to start rolling out those top fives as soon as we can and stay tuned for our playoff preview here in a few weeks and our recaps that will have a lot to do with the playoff standings. So I have been your host, Cody Stoff, for this episode. You are listening to Playmakers Corner, either on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or Anchor, or a plenty of other places where you can listen to podcasts. Make sure to subscribe to us so you get notifications every single time we post. And if you have questions on where to find any of our link trees, you can visit our website, playmakerscorner.com, or you can find us on social media, at Playmakers Corner on Instagram, Playmakers Corner on Facebook, at Playmaker Corner on Twitter, or at Playmakers Corner on TikTok, where we will continue to do these kind of program spotlights as well as some film breakdown kind of things. But like I said, I've been your host, Cody Stoffer. Thank you for rocking with us. And stay tuned for lots of exciting Colorado football content coming up. Oh, almost forgot to give a huge thank you, huge, huge, huge thank you to all of our fans for helping us break 10,000 listens for our podcast. We are ecstatic for this milestone and we are just so excited to continue on and give and reach more milestones including 2000 followers on instagram thank you guys so much for helping us reach there and over 3000 followers on tiktok you guys have been so awesome and so supportive and so patient with three of us trying to cover all of colorado football i cannot express how grateful we all are here at playmakers corner for all your support and hopefully you continue rocking with us because we are far from finished I've been Cody Stoffer, and peace.